All this fucking I'm sorry and all this That's a load of You've got to fucking die to get three points. If we're going to go fucking promotion, can I just keep fucking I'm sorry? Who's it going to be next fucking week? Fucking hell. All the fucking work and quality that you've played there and you throw it away. A fucking set piece. And I bet you, Paddy, I don't know heard you, I bet you the nearly fucking penalty spot when it goes up for a fucking header. Fucking telling you. Because it's hard, it takes some to f***ing say, right, we're not f***ing moving. That line's there, and we f***ing stop him. Three minutes to go, f***ing hell. Come on, let's get back in. Fucking stay there. And now, live from space, the 200% podcast with Football365, Ian King and Edward Carter. Open wide for some soccer! fans and welcome to 200% podcast number 317 yep 317 317 yeah please. i went on a bit of a down a bit of a wormhole about this number earlier on i'm pleased that you remembered 317 because i was really clutching at straws thinking about what i was going to talk about 317 for to fill. I had a bit of a looky-loo and um, I saw a few and I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that it always seems to be the Northern Premier League, apart from when it's Luxembourg. <laughs> apart from when it's Luxembourg. But it yeah. always seems to be the Northern Premier League. So if I see them, I'm like, oh, okay, duly noted, but keep scrolling and keep looking. And on this occasion, <laughs> I found, this is pretty old. This It is, um, here we are. Saturday the 10th of September 2005, uh, okay. Albion Rovers 2, East Fife 4. Albion Rovers 2, East Fife 4. Yeah. But what, what interested me was that this was on a website called Away From The Numbers, which is a, a um, East Fife fanzine, going back years and years and years. And the website seems yes. to have run a bit dry over the last kind of couple of years. But um, this is from their results, from, from this fanzine's results. And it says here, East Fife results, uh, 2005-06 season. Uh, and then it says underneath the date and everything, it says, due to our protests and boycotting of matches this season, there are no actual match reports, only results. And Ooh. so I went looking... To see if I could find what on earth this was about. I could find nothing about it. I mean, it, I didn't do a huge, great, big check. Um, I did find a reference to their manager at the time. And he said that it, on his Wikipedia page, it said that these were turbulent times at the club. So I was like, oh God, I really want to know now. Uh, and then I ended up going uh, onto Wikipedia, onto the East Fife Wikipedia page, which s- stops 
1998. Oh, blind. And then starts okay. again in 2006. Yeah, I experienced something similar while researching this podcast. Actually. Yeah, so it's taken out the exact chunk that I want to know about it. I couldn't find anything about it from a quick check. I think so. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are other, other, other ways of me Googling it. I have to say that East Fife is one of those phrases that brings up stories that are nothing to do with football. Okay. You'll get, it's because it's like a kind of, you know, Fife is a region, isn't it? So you'll get every news story in Fife in with your East Fife FC business. Yeah, they didn't think it through when they named East Fife Football Club, did they? Yeah. No foresight at all, these Victorians. Well, yeah, you could put it that way. I mean, I, I don't know where they're based. Where they're, I'm not even, I'm not even certain. Medill, I Medill. think. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Well, I did have a look, and what whatever this stuff was going on that they were protesting about. I think they're in the same division now that they were in then. I think that they should be protesting about not being in the same division as Forfa. Whenever they're not in the same division as Forfa, they should protest. Yeah, I don't I don't know how Because the possibility of a East Five Four, Four Five Five football match always needs to Hasn't exist. Hasn't it almost happened? I think it may have happened. You would know if it had happened recently because the entire internet would melt down. Oh, God, yeah. With, under the weight of yeah, the takes. Oh, so many takes. So many takes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can feel the heat from here. But anyway, none of, none of what we're going to talk about today is about East Fife. Sorry, any East Fife fans yeah. who are listening. Maybe if you tell us what happened during those bizarre, mysterious and largely undocumented years, maybe we could dedicate an entire podcast it's to that It's so weird. There's just these allusions to it. <laughs> the unpleasantness. Yeah, the, the, the unpleasantness. It's been scrubbed from the Wikipedia page. I, I'd be going and have a look at what edits have been made to it over the years. A period of time in East Fife's history known as the visiting. They've got substantially more to say about East Fife in the 1920s. 20s than they've got yeah. in the 19 or in the in the first 5 years of this century. Well, don't ask me the way history works. What we're actually talking about today is Neil Warnock. What's it going to be next fucking week? Fucking up. The relentless schedule of league football having taken a international break. It allows us to slow down and reflect on one of the game's great characters who, since the last international break, passed the milestone of his 1,602nd match in charge as a professional football manager. Mm. And he also got sacked. Yeah. Which is a less significant milestone, particularly this year. Yeah, but he's very, he's very nearly 73. And... He's very nearly 73 years old, and we are now looking possibly... Uh, could this be the end? The end of Warnock? What everyone has always said that they wanted for all of these years is finally, possibly happening. And everyone's really sad about it. I think that there's a possibility that it is. Having said that, I think the one thing that gets in the way of that is 
Does Neil Warnock want his final job to have been sacked? Well, possibly not. I mean, he does have form for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, there, there, there are so many times when you look into his life, you'll see he, you know, gets gets the boot from one club and he'll say, well, now is a good time. I'm getting on a bit. I'm going to take a step back and really consider my options. And then it will say a month later he was in charge of Leeds United. Yeah. So if he turns up at, at, at a new club within this calendar year even I probably wouldn't bat an eyelid oh no 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 I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest um I I think if anything I'd still be more surprised if he announced that he was retiring on balance there's not much in it but I think that Uh, yeah I think that on balance I would be more so because I, I just don't know that he's got it in him but no, I mean no. we've obviously been watching that Neil Warnock documentary that's on um, YouTube, which is a fabulous yeah. thing. And it's one, called Warnock. And one thing that I found very interesting about him was the way in which he compartmentalizes his life. Very much so. Yeah. Everything is done in a specific zone and a specific area. So when he's at work, he's Neil Warnock. And then when he's in the dressing room at half time, he's a subdivision of that. He's angry Neil Warnock. You've got to fucking die to get three points. And then he goes out onto the pitch and he's on the touchline and he's touchline Neil Warnock. You know, we're away from home. That's the fucking difference. We're in London. That's the fucking difference. Hey, we're in London, aren't we? And they're, they're broadly the same and they're broadly very angry. But each one of them is a, I don't want to say a performance, because I don't think that any of them are fake. I think they're all parts of his personality. Yeah. But then you have to have that conversation, I guess, about how much of it is is his as a, as, as a total. Does all of that only add up to 5%? Well, it's difficult to yeah, say. Yeah, you know, you can't, you, you mean, can't say, can you? And, 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 he, he very famously, of course, lives in Cornwall, and has done ever since he'd managed... Plymouth in the late 1990s and if there's ever a a brilliant way for a football manager to compartmentalise their life it's by living in the only county in the UK that's never had a professional football league club yeah but he gets home in the evening and just throws it up yeah and and, and I think you know even his wife kind of said that there might be one or two occasions when they've really lost badly or something like that and he could be a bit touchy but you know it's (laughs) People have mood swings because of work. Yeah. You know, people have... Football managers aren't the only people who in the world who have a bad day. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think that the idea that Neil Warnock is this sort of swivel-eyed, official-baiting maniac... Yeah. ...with a, an obsessive need to bear grudges would probably be fascinated to see him tootling about on his tractor happy as Larry playing with his kids in Cornwall. Well, I thought the other, the, the, the really telling bit of that documentary was his rant at them after they lost that match and that blew their final chance of making the playoffs. And, it's a fine rant. And yeah. he was going on, and, and, and I understood immediately where he was coming from. I'll just have to make sure he doesn't fucking happen again, because I fucking, I'll, I'll tell you now, I'm fucking more determined than ever. I'll look at you now. I'll have a chat with all of you next week. 
before you start flying off to fucking Mallorca and all these other places, eh? We'll have a chat about the fucking game. About your game, last few months, last few weeks. Fucking character. Fucking hell, some of you. I'm st I stick up for you lot every fucking week in press. I stick up and stick up and I look at your contribution, some of you. No wonder he's throwing a fucking bottle at fucking floor, Tonga. Eh? It's waited fucking nine months for that. A bit of fucking aggression. Fucking hell. You blame everything. Blame me, blame fucking pitch, ref, system, tactics. You want to have a look at your fucking self, some of you, in fucking mirror. Because there's some of you lot that could have done fucking better and we should have been up there. And you're fucking all sore and you're happy. You fucking be off flying away next fucking week. It doesn't hurt you. You're fucking picking a wage up. Because. Although he compartmentalises his life, he gives it fucking everything. Oh, yeah, it's and, absolutely intense advocacy for yeah. his players, the fans, and whatever club yeah. he is currently yeah. at. And he expects... Well, especially Sheffield United. Especially Sheffield United. And yeah. um, if he expects that from the yeah. people that he, you know, ultimately pays a lot of money to. Because this is back in a day when the managers really were kind of hands-on with sorting out the new players. It's not, you know, it wasn't all done by sporting directors and agents and what have you then. And I, and I think that he expects that level of commitment. And if he's not shown it, if, he, if, if other people aren't giving as much as he's giving, then I think he takes that as a personal affront. Um, yeah. he's he's fascinating man and um and and I and I have to say that I I love him very much I think he's great in terms of his managerial nails his tactical style and so on I think the sort of players who you would expect to rise to the top in Neil Warnock's estimations from listening to the rants in the documentary Warnock do fill the Neil Warnock super team that I assembled this afternoon. The, the basis of, of the Neil Warnock super team is that I wanted it to balance positions, you know, be an actually a balanced football team, one. Uh, I wanted it to comprise the players that he's played the most and I wanted it to comprise the players that he has had at the most clubs. This Warnock team, then, is it? What, what's it built for? Well, uh, it is built, as I say, I, I gave some thought to the idea of it being a functional football team in terms of yeah. um, players and, and where they would be on, on a field. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, there are some players who missed out because there were a disproportionately high number of central midfielders. Right. Uh, Nick Montgomery played 214 games for Neil Warnock. Right. All at Sheffield United, and he doesn't make the team. Ditto his Sheffield United colleague, Rob Kosluck. Okay. 154. But I thought it was an interesting team because it seems to, there's not a lot of flair in it. Because I, I don't think that Neil Warnock particularly trusts Flair. I think this is a full-on, functional, reliable, no shirking, and if needs be, shithousing team. Okay. You know, it needs to be the sort of team who are reliable, no nonsense, 
and if everything kicks off, we'll be willing to stick a boot in. Right, okay. That, see, that's, that was the Neil Warnock style, I think, okay. at the end of the day. And I think it is reflected in most of this team. In goal, as you... I mean, if, if you don't know the identity of this goalkeeper, then I'm afraid you don't know Neil Warnock. Yeah. It's Paddy Kenny. It had to be. <laughs> that's the only one that I would say with absolute certainty... It's Paddy Kenny. He's the Neil Warnock of goalkeepers. 316 appearances for Neil Warnock, which is 20% of all of Neil Warnock's games as a manager. Yeah, I mean, it was... He, he was a, they. I mean, presumably they were all both with Sheffield United. Uh, no, they played with Neil Warnock at four teams. Sheffield oh, United. was it across four? That's yeah, yeah. Sheffield though. United, Leeds, QPR and Rotherham. Oh, right. So, yeah, he was his goalkeeper. He was his goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, my goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Right back, Lee Peltier. Okay. Played with Neil Warnock at Leeds, where he was his captain. Cardiff, where, again, he was his captain. And at Middlesbrough. Left back. Yeah, yeah. So, if he's twice captain, he's got to go in, hasn't he? Yeah. Left back, Clint Hill. Right, Played with okay. Neil Warnock at Palace and QPR, 170 games. Okay. Centre-backs, Chris Morgan, the uh, recipient of the most famous rant in the Warnock film, yeah. who was his captain at Sheffield United. Phil Jagielka is the other centre-back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 267 times he played for Neil Warnock, all at Sheffield United. You know, I'm calling it. Jaggy Elka's the flair player of the team. Well, uh, you're probably not far wrong. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm right. We've got a three a three man central midfield unit, which I think it's no nonsense. Sean no. Derry, okay. Michael Michael Brown, and Michael Tong. Uh, okay. Michael. Michael Tong played the second most games for Neil Warnock after Paddy Kenny, 271 times at Sheffield United and Leeds. Um, Michael Brown, obviously, is a little bit more cultured, played for Spurs, as you well know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sean... <laughs> Brief, Sean bri- briefly and occasionally. Sean Derry played with Neil Warnock in three teams, Sheffield United, Palace and QPR. I believe he might have been the captain of the QPR team that Neil Warnock won the championship with. Um, Right midfield, Chris Billy. Now, Chris Billy's a bit more of uh, one from the early days of Neil Warnock, but he he played for Neil Warnock at Huddersfield and then followed him to Plymouth and Bury. Okay. Junior Hoylett, the only non- British Isles player in this list. The Canadian winger, QPR and Cardiff City. 133 games he played for Neil Warnock. Up front, Ronnie Jepson, who was his assistant manager at his most recent job at Middlesbrough and played under Neil Warnock at Huddersfield, Bury and Oldham. Not bad. So, as I say, it's not necessarily the sort of team you would jump out of bed excited to see on a Saturday morning. But you wouldn't be surprised if it won. Well, yeah. Especially not with Jags pulling the strings from uh, centre-half. I mean, it really does depend on what division they're playing (laughs) in, doesn't it? Because if they're playing in... If they've somehow found their way into the Premier League... Yeah. Then they're going down. 
Well, of course, Neil Warnock famously didn't have a lot of luck at, at the top level. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think he ever had more than one season. He took three teams up, and I believe all three went straight back down again. He's been involved in more promotions than that. He has been involved, in fact, in the most promotions of any manager in the history of English football. Eight. Yeah. I wrote um, I wrote an article about this, and I looked it all up. But I, that was a, like last week, and I can't remember. He won. He won the nineteen eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven. Oh, yeah. He won the conference. football league conference yeah. uh, with Scarborough. Well, this is this is the thing. You see, the last day of the last game before Warnock, I was at a. Um, well, it was called Gola League at the time, Matt. Wow. Between Enfield and Scarborough. With Enfield having collected the league trophy a few days earlier after winning at, winning, I think it was winning, at Wealdstone. Well, that's a pisser, though, because, uh, and, and I'm sure that this is where where you're leading. Of course, Scarborough won the league the following season and were promoted to the Football League. Enfield, Enfield won 4-0. Um, they won. They won the league. Second time they've won it in four years. Yeah. And Scarborough finished in thirteenth. Picked the wrong season to win the league, didn't they? They did pick the wrong. Well, also possibly the right season. Because I mean, the thing is that what you have to bear in mind there is that both of those clubs ended up going out of business. Both lost their grounds. Their trajectories actually are remarkably similar. It's just that Scarborough had that brief up. First and Enfield, the Enfield, the, the the up was that bit, the nineteen eighty six bit. But Scarborough still had a little bit further to fly because I think they went up as high as League One, what what, what they call League yeah. One now. I don't. Yeah, Notts County were his next success. Yep. Nineteen eighty nine ninety, they won the third division playoff, and the following season they won the second division playoff, which I don't want to dwell on. Oh well, what a day! Shut your hole! <laughs> what a day! What a day that was. Anyway, yeah, well, of course, Brighton got relegated out of the second division the following season. So God alone knows what would have happened to them if they got promoted. If they'd been playing Premier League football, yeah. there's no way that those Archer and Bellotti would have sold the ground. Well, no, possibly not. No they, fucking they, way whatsoever. They wouldn't have been, have been playing caught. Premier League football, though, would they? Because they'd <laughs> they have been. Because no, if they gone if they gone up in ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. Now Notts County went straight back down. They certainly. But if did. Brighton had stayed up, they'd have been in the first season of the Premier League. Yeah, but they wouldn't have stayed up, would they? Well. They got relegated out of the second division. Yes, they the did get relegated. Season. Yeah, well, they did get relegated out of the second division the next season. Wearing a kit that looked like a Tesco bag. Because it because they fell to pieces. Yeah. Brighton going to the first division in 1991, that potentially changes the entire future of the club. It's a real... I, I, I think it's one of the most important matches in the history of that football club. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It is very much a fork in the road. You go up and start... Because Notts County, were, I think they were only just relegated. I'm not yeah. sure. But it was some compensation. He took Huddersfield Town up through the second division playoffs in Huddersfield's first season at the uh, new McAlpine Stadium. Right. He won the championship or runners up spot with Sheffield United. He won the championship with Queen's Park Rangers in 2010 2011, which is probably his. 
great achievement as a manager in terms uh-huh. of actually, you know, creating a football team. Yeah. Uh, and he took Cardiff City up. Right. The door hit their arse on the way out. Yeah. Um, of those, I think that obviously the, the championship win with QPR stands out. Yeah. It featured that sort of rather unusual thing in a Neil Warnock team, which is a, a player of genuine flair and creativity in adult rapt. That that features, or he features very strongly in that documentary series about QPR, doesn't he? Yeah, the four-year plan. Yeah, the four-year plan, that's it. He yeah. does come across well in that, yeah. Yeah, not, not, not taking their bullshit. Well, yeah, not I mean, taking that's... their bullshit, and, and also, of course, we've seen the way that other managers work. And when Neil Warnock arrives, you get the feeling, oh, all of a sudden, somebody who knows how these things steer is at the tiller, mm. rather, rather than Paolo Sosa pouting and flopping his way through. Well, one of the curiosities that I noted from... Um looking at his career was that there's only one or two clubs that he's been back to yeah palace and And qpr yeah not two you'd expect well no i mean famously he's a yorkshireman why hasn't he managed every football club in yorkshire apart from sheffield wednesday and maybe and maybe sheffield he was very anti-london um i believe that that changed once, once they started he, offering him once work, he started <laughs> offering him work at very high wages, yeah, and he then he of course he probably would have realised as well that London was a lot nearer Cornwall than yeah. Yorkshire is, and he said, yeah. "This is double belting. This is fantastic." Yeah. But so yeah, there's an adaptability there. There's an adaptability to change his strategy, change his formation, and and work around a player who he would normally not of touch with a 10-foot barge pole. Yeah. It is interesting that he hasn't managed every team in Yorkshire, apart from Sheffield Wednesday. He did play for and manage only one club, which is Rotherham. So there's another Yorkshire club. Mm. And Huddersfield. And Leeds. Mm. But, yeah. you know, that's... And, of course, Scarborough, RIP. But, yeah, yeah there are, there's still some uh, some telling... Discrepancy. I wouldn't be surprised if Neil Warnock ended up managing Sheffield Wednesday one day. Why not? You know, you don't uh, have don't to. <laughs> well, actually, they're not doing very well at the moment, are they, Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> Agent Colin. They they had all this. Oh Christ! They had all this. Um, they had all this optimism at the start of the season, didn't they, Sheffield Wednesday? That oh maybe, this is, maybe this is maybe as bad as it gets. And it uh, turns out that, well... Well, you know, Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Speaking of Sheffield Wednesday, I think that's a good jumping off point to move into some of the controversies of the Neil Warner's career. Because, of course, there have been many... And he has been the pantomime villain of English football, more or less throughout my time following the game. Yeah, People don't particularly like the muscularity of his football and his teams. 
But what really winds people up, I think, is this obsessive need (laughs) to bear grudges and be snarky and snippy and 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 make incendiary yeah I, it, remarks about officials yeah it feels as though there are just these are just things that he has to do almost like it's 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 not a decision that's within his control well even after his most recent sacking your own august organisation football mm. 365 ran a piece which featured an interview with Neil Warnock. Uh, and he had listed his his top Premier League managers of all time mm. and put Alex Ferguson fourth. <laughs> now, the thing about that is, that is pure Neil Warnock. Because that is he, he's playing to the gallery, isn't yeah. he? Why not? He's, he's standing out by the coach door outside the new den. Yeah getting booed and really lapping it up. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's it, If you don't understand the humour in that, if you take that at face value, then Absolutely, you are yeah. dumber than, you, than, than... There's only one idiot. That's the disconnect, who, I think. And it's, yeah, it's not Neil Warnock. Oh, He's, <laughs> that, it's, a, it's a character. He's far it's smarter obviously. than anyone um, who's, he's ever wound up. Yeah, and... and, and to be fair, right? Because I think you have to be even, even-handed about this. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that he is really fucking hard work. Oh, um, and I am sure that he is. If you are a rival of a, a, a rival club, if you're a manager of a rival club, a fan of a rival club, he is just the worst thing in the world. Oh, absolutely, because he's he's needling you. On purpose, yeah. and there's nothing that's it's pretty. But low, like I it? say, I don't think I I genuinely don't think he can control that. Oh no, I, I think yeah, I, it's I, I think it's like you know I, I don't want to say it's like um, Tourette's or anything like that because it's obviously nothing like that. No. But he has a need. So in don't, him don't you? Yeah, do. don't you ever get that feeling? I get it sometimes. Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm in fact, I'm I'm as bad as Neil Warnock. <laughs> Yeah, I can go through phases where I will think about it so hard that I will consciously think you're going to say this, and it's a really stupid thing to say. The thing about stop it, yeah, well, stop I... it, and it's like a final one. And it's re- thankfully very, very, very infrequent that I actually do that. It actually squirts out. What Neil Warnock has realised is that we're all Neil Warnock, but only he's got the sus to know where the stopcock is know where you could where you can turn it on and off yeah yeah i listen i was listening to this be about 10 years ago easily i was listening to danny baker on radio 5 so you can tell how, how long ago it was and neil warnock was his guest and neil warnock just came across as the most charming funny connected together person i left listening to that interview thinking English football's lucky to have somebody like Neil Warnock. Now, of course, the fact of the matter is that later that day, he could easily have done something that really, really pissed me off. I can't remember. Because there have been, and you can't, because occasionally, even if you're doing it out of affectation, almost, Mm. or as an unconscious tick, even, 
you yeah. you are going to occasionally cross the line over a long career in the spotlight. Yeah. Chief amongst this is the Battle of Bramall Lane. Yeah. And this is why Sheffield Wednesday was the ideal jumping off point. Gary Megson was in the running for the Sheffield United job were when Neil Warnock was given it in 1999. Gary Megson was, I believe, discounted because of his Sheffield Wednesday connections. But already there, you've got bad blood. And then George Santos, the Sheffield United player, was injured by Andy Johnson, who was then playing for Nottingham Forest. Okay. Andy Johnson then signs for West Brom. Right. George Santos goes onto the pitch as a second-half substitute and immediately goes over the top in the most agricultural challenge that you will ever see. Yeah. In the ensuing melee, Patrick Suffo headbutts Derek McInnes. Yeah. Sheffield United, by this point, have had three players sent off. Their goalkeeper having been sent off uh, for handling outside his box in the first half. What happened next was absolute madness. Eventually, the reason that the, the, the game was ultimately abandoned was that two Sheffield United players had to come off injured. Michael Brown, who apparently had been carrying a hernia for six weeks, but as Gary Megson pointed out, ran down the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bre- Michael Brown later claimed in an interview with BT Sport about the Battle of Bramall Lane, the reason that he tore his hernia was he was trying to get a hold of Derek McInnes. Because that was the other thing. Some of the players who didn't have the foresight to become injured had decided to, you know, maybe take matters into their own hand and get more people sent off. So Keith Curl was just wading in with round houses and left hooks and all sorts in the box. It was absolute chaos. Eventually, they're down to six players. Gary Megson accuses Neil Warnock of trying to get the game abandoned so that it would need to be replayed. Mm-hmm. Megson said they would not be replaying the game and they would, uh, you know, that, that, that was their position. The FA eventually upheld West Brom's position and awarded the, the game. 3-0, as in fact it was 3-0 at the time that the match was abandoned. Neil Warnock went on to say to the BBC in the days after this game, which took place on the 16th of March 2002, that the way it's all come out so far, you would think I was guilty of committing more crimes than Bin Laden. (laughs) Um... Not that I'm surprised by the things that Gary Megson has come out with, he told the son. Subsequently, he would refuse to shake Gary Megson's hand, even after Gary Megson had left West Brom. When he was managing at Nottingham Forest, he refused to shake his hand. And when when pressed on it later said, I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. He said that El Hajjuf was lower than a sewer rat for berating QPR's injured Jamie Mackey. 19 months later, signed El Hajjuf for Leeds. Um, Criticised Rafael Benitez for resting players against Sheffield United's uh, relegation rivals Fulham in a match that Fulham won 1-0. And in 
2012 criticised Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper Chris Kirkland for going down like a ton of bricks after Chris Kirkland was attacked by a Leeds United fan during the match. <laughs> it's it, it's it's not big or clever, is it? Really, as a as a as a charge sheet. I mean, the Battle of Bramall Lane's pretty bad. I don't think that he set out to do it, but when it developed into what it did, I can't yeah. think that he was in any way not for stirring the pot a bit more and seeing what happened. And then, you know, foot in mouth, Not it's, it's not something that Neil Warnock is estranged to. Maybe uh, likening yourself to <laughs> Bin Laden in... March 2002, not such a wise move. (laughs) Maybe criticising a goalkeeper for going down too easy when one of your fans has jumped onto the pitch and leathered him (laughs) is, you know, uh, missing the point, rather. But at the same time, at a distance, they are all very funny, aren't they? (laughs) How many things is that? How how many things warranted comment? Four? Yeah, four. There are four four things that I picked out. That's over a thirty-five year. Well, yeah, career. because so once every eight years on average, eight and a bit. Yeah, the, these are the real outstanding things because he would do something like this every week, and the reason, of course, you can't remember them all is because they didn't yeah. really matter. But he had a way of injecting himself into the narrative each week so that he would be the person that you'd sidle up to somebody on Monday morning who likes the football as well and go, what about that Neil Warnock then, eh? He he has perfumed the English national game. (laughs) Um, You you sent out a a tweet asking for questions, whether anyone had any Neil Warnock questions. There were no Neil Warnock questions, but there were a number of thoughts and observations. There were. And I think one of the one of the most interesting for me was this idea from Jeffrey P. Nesca. Oh right, yeah. A, a Toronto native and Toronto FC fan. Yeah. Can we get him in the MLS? And the prospect of the idea of Neil Warnock with a whole new continent to to overcome. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Even at nearly 73 years old, I'm not sure if the MLS is ready for Neil Warnock. I saw a comment on a on a YouTube video that I was watching from a Rangers fan suggesting that he would possibly be a, a good stopgap choice to replace Steven Gerrard. I think that that might cause uprisings. <laughs> I think I I do I do happen to think that seventy three year old Neil Warnock should probably be kept <laughs> at a distance from the old firm Derby for his own good, for his own for his own health. Not to, I'm not even on the yeah before I even get on to his safety. <laughs> the changing rooms at Ibrox would probably be the first changing rooms that Neil Warnock's ever managed at where he didn't have to install his own picture of Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, quite likely, yeah. So, I mean, in many ways, it's a match made in heaven. But, yeah, him, there's no... He should have to do the old firm from Cornwall via Zoom. Doesn't bear thinking about, does it, really? Well, it does. 
<laughs> well, it does. And there you go. You see, that's it, isn't it? That's Neil Warnock. It doesn't bear thinking about brackets. It does. Yeah. However, I think we should also say, I mean, because we've discussed Neil Warnock, the pantomime villain, and we've discussed um, Neil Warnock, the manager and the tactician and, and all of these things. But I think it is also important to dwell on Neil Warnock, the man. Mm-hmm. We've Now, we've spoken a little bit about this. And you talked about how he is able to compartmentalise his life and, you know, have his family life in Cornwall. It's very idyllic yeah. sort of scene. Mm. And I've spoken about listening to this interview where he just came across as wise and switched on and funny. Yeah. Then Chris Nelson, yeah, in reply to your tweet, was also highlighting the things that Neil Warnock did for Andy Woodward, who was one of the players caught up in the Barry Bennell paedophilia scandal at Crew Alexandra. Yeah. That's some pretty heavy shit. I I went back and read a whole load of that. And I was yeah. only kind of, it's one of those things, isn't it? only loosely aware of it. And I was struck by how positively he comes out from that story. His fundamental humanity, I think, shines through yeah. from that. Yeah. Because he had been at Berry uh when Neil Warnock was the manager there. And I think he had confided in Neil Warnock about, you know, this incident in his past. Yeah. And then Neil Warnock said that, oh I'm I'm leaving the club, but he'd made a promise to him that he would take him with him. And Andy Woodward's form had more or less completely evaporated by this point for a number of reasons yeah not unrelated to uh, his ordeal as a as a teenage boy yeah yeah but neil warnock was true to his word he took him to sheffield united i mean i think at, by this point andy woodward's head just wasn't in the right place yeah to be a professional footballer anymore yeah but neil warnock did whatever he could yeah it's sort of like a, a father figure the sort of man that you want to be coaching your children at football, in other words, as opposed to the sort of people that were coaching some of the children in football. Yeah, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that that's what comes across because he says that there's only two managers in his entire career that believed him, and that was uh, Stan Tennant at Berry. And uh, yep. and Neil Warnock, yeah, who was his successor, and and it, and it does bring out that side to him, which was touched upon in that documentary as well. You know about uh, the the family life. I see nothing particular to think that his life shouldn't be his family shouldn't have a good life with him. Yeah, I I am interested to know whether or not he uses the same sort of motivational technique with his children. You know about doing their homework. Or uh, tidying their room, yeah. as he did with with his Sheffield United players, because obviously it's the same basic statement of advocacy and love, isn't it? It's wanting the best for these people, yeah, and trying to get the best out of them all, and you know, and it's for their benefit, it's for his benefit. Everyone wins, yeah. And I just I love the idea of him with his <laughs> with his daughter sat in a messy bedroom and him just going fucking hell <laughs> but i doubt i doubt he does that i think he's too canny to not have different settings all this fucking i'm sorry and all this bullshit 
That's a load of bollocks. Can't I just keep fucking, I'm sorry. Fucking hell. Fucking telling you. Because it's hard. It takes some fucking bollocks to fucking say, right, we're not fucking moving. Fucking stay there. Like I say, I mean, this is what I mean about the compartmentalization of everything. Everything's got its own little space in his life. And that, and, and, and that's the thing is that I, I, I don't think he can live without that. <laughs> I don't think you can go, you know, if what's going to fill the football compartment? People like Neil Warnock don't retire, do they? Yeah, I don't. They are, they are carried out yeah. at their desk. You do wonder, don't you? But, I mean, like I say, it's I, I have a lot of time for him. I think that his career is so long that you can pick all these kind of ironies and weird coincidences and this, that and the other. And honestly, it's no great surprise that he's gone through phases of having favourite players that have followed him around two, three, four clubs. Because all all managers will do do that. Absolutely all managers do. They reach for the Rolodex every single time. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go so far as to say that it was not uncommon in non-league football. The manager goes to another team, take all the yeah. players with them. If they're not, oh, if they're yeah, not, I've if, seen it happen, if they're yeah. not tied yeah. down to a contract, those players can just up up sticks and leave. I mean, that much said, I think Neil Warnock had Paddy Kenny on a retainer. I think Paddy Kenny might have been uh, court mandated to be Neil Warnock's butler or something. Well, the thing is that goalkeeping is a very specialist position, and I can understand <laughs> how a manager who has has got a lot of really hard work to do and who pushes himself really hard in every aspect of it, his job, would take oh, yeah, that position yeah. and say, right, I can just... If he's running that, if he he's yeah, my goalkeeper... I can depute that, yeah. and that is goalkeeping tick. I don't need to think about it. Yeah, he's... But then again, that works better if your goalkeeper isn't Paddy Kenny, surely. Well, he was a little bit accident-prone, but he was also very capable. You know, he... He certainly certainly played a lot of games. He was very athletic. So he was a... Light on his feet, as they say. Light on his feet, yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, if there's one thing that football really hasn't got space for anymore, it's goalkeeping mistakes. Uh, You can't be an error-prone goalkeeper in the way that you used to be able to. Think about Bruce Grobelar. I was thinking about this the other day. How could a goalkeeper who made so many mistakes win so much? It's it's astonishing. It speaks volumes for how good that Liverpool team were. Yeah. That they could have that as the goalkeeper and Kenny Dalglish just went tick. Yeah, and he was there like, what, 10 years? Easily, probably over ten years. Yeah. I, would have, I think maybe maybe up to nearly fifteen years. Yeah, I mean that that's crazy if you think about it. It's absolutely crazy. There's a podcast in Bruce Grobbler. Grobblecast with two with two with two <laughs> <A's>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now we have to do that podcast solely for the name. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. If if it comes down to a. a a question of I've got a good name versus yeah. I've got some good content. Good name wins every single time. Of course it will. Of course it will. Fucking hell.
Neil Warnock was a winger as a player. Played 327 games, scored 36 goals. I don't know anything more about the sort of player he was other than that he was a winger. I would suggest he was probably a right winger. Why did we have a referendum in the first bloody place? You know, I can't wait to get out of them, if I'm honest. I think we'll be far better out of the bloody thing, mate, in every aspect. And to hell with the rest of the world. Uh, very, uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but there is one last thing I do want to touch on with Neil Warner, because as well as having an enormously storied career as a player and a manager, he's also, as we all know, a qualified chiropodist. And George Young got in touch on Twitter regarding the depth of Neil Warnock's chiropody qualifications. I looked into this and I found a site called emedevents.com, which I think is somewhere where you can book medical speakers for your events. And he's got a page on there which describes him as Professor of Podiatry, Neil Warnock. Nice. Three years study and then eight years practice plus domiciliary work in departmental stores in and around Sheffield. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised by I know I, I did I did know that he took his he took that career very seriously. He His um, speciality was ingrown toenails. Yeah. Apparently. That's some multi talented shit you got going on there. Well apparently the key is to cut them square across. Mm-hmm. But I I mean I'm a very visual person and somebody just saying that to me could end in absolute disaster i've never had any ingrown toenail problems personally i think people who have ingrown toenails have just got unruly feet okay that's my view have you ever had an ingrown toenail hello robo fans robot here once again at this point in the podcast things got a little out of hand so here is your trigger warning if you don't like toenail chat or monkey foot chat, we advise skipping ahead by about five minutes. Uh, no, I haven't. I have all. And I you've played a, a lot of football. I had my toenails fall off once. <laughs> oh, when yes, you had um, I had, hand, foot, and mouth. No, well, no, no, no. That's the second time it happened. The first time it happened. <laughs> Hang on, you've had it happen more than once. Yeah. When I was in my twenties, when I was in my tw- when I was in my twenties, I was about probably twenty five, something like that. It was playing football. That's what oh, it was. Okay. Um, it was a they must have been some tight boots. It was a very wet season. Um, and <laughs> the, what was his trench foot? And no, 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 it wasn't. It was that my boots weren't quite waterproof. They weren't quite watertight. <laughs> And so my feet were getting soaking wet every Saturday. And I, I ended up, I, I, you know, I had the internet by this point, so I was able to look it up. And uh, even then, back in the rudimentary days of the internet, I was able to get an answer that, no, this is, this is commonplace for people who play sports. Uh, and sure enough, they all grew back, identical what? to before. What when what happens when your toenail falls? Nothing. It, it doesn't. Like? When, what does it look like when it grows back? Um, it just that must be a really weird it, process. It just grows back really normally. You know, Fair enough. it's 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 a very it was a, a because that that's the thing you see when I realised that it was happening, I I was 
freaking out a little bit. Like, what the hell's going on? Is this normal? Because <laughs> well, yeah. what happened in the first place is that they were kind of like, they would be held on at the side. Oh you know? Goodness. So you're thinking, oh shit, I'm, look, there's going to come a point where I'm going to have to rip this because it's just going to be oh. unbearable. Yeah. Oh, that is... Me- oh, I'm, oh, God. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I did the first one. God. Nothing. No pain, no bleeding. No pain, nothing. Nothing. Wow. It literally it almost peeled off. And Ugh. so I was like, right, okay, the rest of these are fucking going. <laughs> so I got rid of the rest. So I got rid... So the lot came off. They were all like that. Uh, so the lot came off and I just I've had some bandages on my feet for a week or so just to make sure that nothing nasty got into oh, like where the nail God comes out almighty. because that was still yeah the, old, the nail bed as they yeah say. the nail bed yeah to make just to make sure that that didn't get any damage done to it and the nail started coming back through yep and soon enough back to back looking exactly as they did before yeah and then they all fell out again uh, when you got hand, foot and mouth. Uh, they all fell out again when I got hand, foot and mouth, except that was really horrible. And, you know, I'm going to... I should have put a trigger warning on everything I've said just now, but I'm definitely putting it wise saying now because this is gross. Well, yeah, I can put I can put trigger warnings in. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So... I mean, I, hand... I, I'm nearly passing out here just thinking about your toenails. Yeah, so with the hand, foot... When I, had, when I, got, I got hand, foot and mouth... About the time of my uh, older son's first birthday, yeah. so it was September twenty sixteen. And you got it from him, didn't you? I got it from him, yeah. From his and he only had little baby well, ways. He only had it very mildly, <laughs> and normally it's milder in adults than it is in kids. Oh lord! And so it just started, and it was horrible. I mean, fortunately, fortunately. I didn't get... You can get, like, blisters in your throat and stuff. I do vaguely remember it, but, I, I mean, I was staying away from you when you were at your worst. Yeah. Because I, I was basically treating you like you were a leper. Yeah, no, that was fair. That was fair. <laughs> that was fine. Mine was all around... but Mine was all, like, on my feet and my hands, I, mostly, and not too much on my mouth. I'd never, ever heard of this affliction before, and just learning no. about it at the time was terrible. But terrifying. the thing is... Yeah, but the fingernails started to come off. Um, but the new ones started growing back underneath them. Oh, okay. I could look at the end. I could look, looking at the end of them, and you'd see two nails, one wow. underneath the other one. And then eventually, exactly the same thing happened with those as happened with the toenails years ago. They just peeled off. Hmm. It was. It's really weird. You'd expect that to really hurt, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, I suppose so. But of course, obviously, like most keratinous material on the body it is dead yeah so the only reason it would hurt is if it was still sort of attached to anything that's got a pulse <laughs> but i yeah. think that by that point the toenails had, had gone fuck it yeah yeah it's and it's like i say that's something that has happened to me like you know I'd... that is extraordinary I well of course i also lost a fingernail once oh god well, a thumbnail, actually. That's when I bro- broke my thumb. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Tra- and the nail, traumatic, the nail came off. But the thing is... Traumatic injury, that, yeah. Yeah, but the thing about that is that the nail 
did grow back differently and has always looked different to me since. Yeah, it's got an eye in it. No, it's just a slightly different shape. It <laughs> I used love the to idea be. Of you it used to nail. be absolutely. It used to be absolutely identical to my left <laughs> fingernail, and and ever since then it's been slightly different. And I can't even tell you exactly how. Oh my god! From looking at it, I can see it. It's that, the weirdest thing. You've spent hours really just is. staring at it, haven't you? Not uh, not hours. Not well, hours. Just some, not hours. But sometimes I will just look at it and go, huh. And I'll hold the other one up to it and go, oh yeah. Because mm. you know, it's not like I can do anything about it. Well, no. This is this is the way of life. You know, you you think, oh, how would I deal with that? You just deal with it, and that's the, that's yeah. the way. So, you know, this podcast is dedicated to everyone who's just dealing with something right now. And also Neil Warnock. Yeah, so there you go. He'll be back. He, he, he can't leave us. He's, he'll be back. I think that a lot of people don't understand what a horrible environment professional football is. And that Neil Warnock shouting at his players like that, like they're pieces of shit is at the tame end of the spectrum, in all likelihood, in comparison with what was going on in the dressing room at some clubs. Oh, I'm sure. And actually, even within his rants, there is a good cop, bad cop element at play. They are the rants of a disappointed father, rather than a military sergeant major or drill sergeant. But then again, even the drill sergeant would claim that he's doing it for their own benefit. But, yeah. That's that's for him and his God to decide. Yeah, I have no disagreement with him whatsoever. And and in recent years, I've come to enjoy yeah. him more and more. I, he's certainly become more self-aware. I had comments on Twitter oh earlier. Mark M, you know him. I do, friend, friend of the, the podcast. podcast. I'm not a not... I'm a, not a Warnock fan, but kind of guy. I think, yeah, His that's a reasonable position. 2000s column in the Saturday Independent newspaper on a manager's life, mostly at Palace, on and off field, was delightful and very insightful. He starred at a half in the QPR documentary, Four Year Plan, and he disliked Graham Pohl. Well, yeah, I think all of the, all of the comments and, and um, reminiscences were very interesting and, and spoke... Of a, a, a overwhelming, I think, affection for, if not the man, then at least for the character and what he's brought to the game. I mean, the thing is that I guess what it comes down to is whether you think it matters. Ultimately, yes. I don't think that any of this matters. No. I don't think that football matters. No. Well, actually, I think something's slightly more sophisticated than that. I think that it matters because it matters. And that, and, and so it's become, it is this, it's this weird self-perpetuating industry. If you think about it, it's really strange, isn't it? Yeah, it matters because it matters. It, yeah, yeah, it matters because it matters. Once you've exited you, the, 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 the self-referential reality tunnel... That is football yeah. mattering. It doesn't matter in the least. Yeah. But once you step back into that wind tunnel, that forever blasting wind tunnel, it's all yeah. you can think about. Yeah. It's like I've always had sort of partners and girlfriends who have no interest in football whatsoever. 
None. None at all. I think that's a very wise move. Well, the thing is that it's that would never be part of my selection process. <laughs> like, I, like I've ever had a selection process. Yeah, his selection process is women who don't mind when my toenails fall off. <laughs> yeah. That's your selection process. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, you know, it's no, it's not something that I take into consideration. There probably are men out there who would, you know, only consider a romantic partner if that person was into football. Yeah, there, are, there are, there are probably. So it's, it's not part of that, you know, it's not part of that choice. So, and I don't know how I deal with it if I did. I don't know. One of the things that I've really picked up on from this is that is perfectly possible to deeply love something that doesn't matter <laughs> you know oh, it yeah. doesn't the fact that it doesn't matter doesn't invalidate it and the thing is that i think a lot of people in football a lot of people are the same way as me they don't really think it matters that'll be a good subject for um good subject for richard key's next blog post i think yeah ah come on it doesn't matter what's it matter it's only a game. Well, I mean, it matters. It, 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 it. I, I don't claim any logical consistency in this. You know, no. Um, like all the best philosophical theories, it's it's absolutely riven with contradiction. Everything is purely contradictory. All life is chaos. Neil Warnock once wrote, when I pass away, I don't want clapping or a minute's silence. I want a minute's booing at Bristol City. And I'm sure they will oblige. I hope they come good on that. I think that would... uh... It'll be difficult, though, I think, because I think a lot of people will be very genuinely um, upset and moved. You might need to, to back it off. Because otherwise it could get a bit lachrymose. I'm, I'm not a fanboy. I don't get fanboy about anything in football, really, you know. But I, I like him. And, and and I think his faults are pretty funny. And Yo. if, if football is pantomime and if it is slapstick, then, it, you know, if it's got that about it, and it's and it, then you need, you need someone like him. He is, he is the... Best ugly sister going, isn't he? Yeah, it's like it's like Peppers at his best. Yeah, when he's throwing his hands and fingers around because of the number of handballs that haven't been given to his team or whatever. <laughs> they're all at their best when they're doing that, and Neil Warnock is like that more than most. Yeah, and he might, while he might not be as bald as Pep, he's got two fewer eyebrows. He has got zero eyebrows. That he's is a pep, that's, yeah. He's the pep of eyebrows. That's a concern to me. I mean, I've never normally, as men get older, their eyebrows become uncontrollably bushy. I, I don't know who but, you could possibly be referring to. Though. Well, I'm referring to most older men. Okay, I felt seen. <laughs> Neil Warnock's uh, eyebrows seem to be doing the absolute opposite thing, and I it concerns me. He's Pep Raudiola, isn't he? <laughs> so there's nothing going on there at all. I, I, I'd never even noticed that. It's been happening ever so slowly. They've been uh, they've slowly eroded over a, a, a number of years. I mean, watching back some Neil Warnock stuff uh, on YouTube has been an interesting and instructive journey in the recession of one man's eyebrows. Do you think they fell out with stress? 
Well, I, that's that's where the stress of the job manifested itself. Maybe, maybe, or... but the only time you've ever seen ever seen anybody's eyebrows fall out like that, if all of their hair has fallen out, and if all of his hair's fallen out, then what he's got as his head hair is a wig. And who's buying that wig? That's not a wig. No one's buying that as a wig. I mean, I, I'm interested in the idea that because because you know he's. I don't know if he's mellowed, but he's he's kind of changed a little bit this last few years, hasn't he? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. As you'd expect. I don't think he takes it all quite as personally this last few years as he did in you know the early part of this century or the nineteen nineties or whatever. I can't help but notice that that period of relative Zen Warnock might coincide with the disappearance of his eyebrows. Mm. And if that explains that, then I think we may have an explanation as to why Pep Guardiola is the best coach in the world now. It's the old Samson thing, isn't it? It's Samson in reverse. Yeah. They've gained strength. They've gained they gained strength through their through through their loss of hair. We're talking out of our asses. Well, yeah, speaking of hairy things. Right, that's us done for this week. Uh, we'll be back again same time next week. You can catch me at TWRHT, Twoot, or you can catch him at 200% Podcast. Yeah, or 200% Pod. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, that. One day I might change it. I, I'll see if I can change it to two zero zero percent podcast and see if all of a sudden I I gain five hundred followers. I might, I might, <laughs> I might sign up to it. I might register the other one. Oh well, yeah, you should. I reckon you would probably um, end up with a lot more followers. A, run it as a black ops organization. We'll be back again same time next week. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Fucking, I'm sorry. Who's it gonna be next fucking week? Fucking hell.